In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. In the Lab time is right now, and that guy flexing is John Harris. And you know why he's flexing? A, because he's super strong, and B... (laughs) Because he just finished a mock draft, his first mock draft of the spring, and we're going to chit-chat a little bit about it. Don't care really what any of the other teams did. We only care about 3 and 13, or are there different numbers than 3 and 13? John, I think you might have engineered a trade for the Texans this year in the first round, but let's have at it, man. What's the deal? What went down? What did the Texans do with the third overall draft pick? All right, I'm going to say it out loud. And then I'll explain. I knew, or I have a feeling. This is my gut. Listen, I've got no inside information. I, I mean, I said this on Sports Radio 610 on Tuesday morning. I could be on my deathbed saying, Nick, tell me what you're doing at 3 and 13. And he still wouldn't give it to me. Right. They're not going to, they're not going to be respectful about it. He'd be polite about it, but he wouldn't tell you. He's just like, yeah, I can. Yeah. He's got a job to do. He can't be absolutely laughing on He can't be, yeah. Exactly. He can't tell me what's going on. I mean, I could still maybe text everybody and go, Nick's doing this. So, anyways, point being, I don't have any inside information. Just trying to, A, have a little fun. B, think out loud. So, the trade I came up with was the Texans trading from three down to eight with the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons coming up to get one of the hotter names now in the media. Now, I don't know for sure whether Malik Willis is that hot name with – the NFL teams, my gut tells me he is, mm-hmm. given the fact that he's an electric quarterback. I think teams are looking for a little bit more of that. I, I think the the Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Ted Ate in the playoffs, I think teams were like, um, this is where this thing is going, and we better get something like that. Mm-hmm. And by like that, I mean arm strength, pocket presence ability to get out of the pocket put a team on its back on his back Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes did that Joe Burrow did it in playoffs uh Matthew Stafford had help around him but they all do it in a few different ways Mahomes and Allen do it more similarly than people think um and that is they're gonna they're gonna take their opportunities run scramble make plays off schedule. Malik Willis does that. I think there's just going to be a little bit hotter market for Malik than any other quarterback. I've gone back. And after I got back from the senior bowl, I got back from the combine. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to dive back into a couple of games of Malik Willis Mm -hmm. this fall. And I came out of there going, yeah, uh, I, I, I think, and and I don't want to be snowed completely by a, a good senior bowl or a really good combine, but, I just kind of felt like, yeah, I think this is the type of quarterback people are going to love. I still think Kenny Pickett can play. And, I mean, I got Kenny Pickett going to the top 10, and I'll explain why in a second. But I just feel like it's justified with Malik Willis that he can be that guy. Now, he is not coming to the league perfect. He still has some right. things he's got to work on. But, dang, he's from Atlanta. The last time Atlanta football fell – I mean, I know 2016 they went to the Super Bowl, and it was fun. But it was – even though Matt Ryan was the MVP, it seemingly was like the excitement about Julio Jones. I think Atlanta needs some excitement. I think they needed, you know, Michael Vick was just such, he left such a mark on that city. So, so what they, what they give up besides the, 
the swap of the picks if they're getting Willis. Okay, we're not getting there. So that's why I did Atlanta. And I think they've got to get above Carolina to do it. Right. In return, and this is why I think Atlanta makes sense. Atlanta's got two seconds and two thirds. Mm. So the Texans move down five spots. They get number 43 overall. Okay. And then they get 82 overall. So they get the higher of the second rounders, the lower of the third rounders, and they get a third rounder next year to make it all sort of balance out value wise. Wow. So the Texans move down five spots and arguably get a player that they could target at number three. Uh, but they get Kyle Hamilton, safety from out of Notre Dame. He's still so your number one, right? He was in he's still number, the number one. one prospect in the Harris 100. He yeah. wasn't super, super fast at the combine or his pro yeah. day, but he's still number one. He's still number one, right. and he's going number eight. And the Texans get second and third rounders, 43 awesome. and 82. And they get a third next year. Sign me now, up. Now, Atlanta gets its quarterback. They get a local homeboy, Malik Willis. They supercharge that thing, knowing that, yeah, they could wait till 2023. But it's a hard thing to get a coach to go, hey, look, we know that you're only on your second year. But we don't really care if you lose. Because we'll get a top pick in 2023. No coach wants to hear that. No, no. GM wants to, to think that way. So if there's an opportunity, especially to get a guy like Malik Willis, who's got all that potential, why don't you try and get him in your building in 2023? So it makes sense for Atlanta. It makes sense for the Texans because you now, now you're adding 13 picks with capital. this trade. With this trade, you've given the yeah. Texans 13 picks. They also have 12 picks next year now if you, if you throw in that third. That's a right. lot of ammo to keep moving up, moving down. Right. Whatever Nick Casario sees fit. So Kyle Hamilton's coming here. You got a playmaker at the back end of the defense. You got excellence there in the secondary. What happens at 13? Then? Do you stay? Do you move? Well, I thought about moving. One, the one thing I've had in my head for a while is the fact that the Chargers have got to improve their run defense. Mm -hmm. They've got to improve. I mean, they improved. They've got Khalil Mack. They've got all these you know, stud players, Bosa, Derwin James, uh, the receivers. I mean, they got everybody everywhere. What they don't have is a stud in the middle. And we exploited that last year. I mean, they didn't have Bosa in that game, but we exploited it. We yeah. crushed them. And every other team did too. Every other team went after it. And so I felt like if Jordan Davis was there at 13, that maybe the Chargers would give us a little bit extra to come up to 13, pay that premium to come get the guy that's going to be the final piece of that puzzle in Los Angeles. Or the Texans and I thought that. Taken. Or the Texans could just take him. However, I had the Jets taking Jordan Davis. Mm -hmm. So I had the Jets at 10 taking Jordan Davis, and so I got the 13. But at 13, I did something that I've said I wouldn't do at three, but I'll do it at 13. And I'm channeling Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, who said, <laughs> who said everyone has a price. Yes. And what I mean by that in this one is – I don't know. I, I don't, I wouldn't feel great about Kayvon Thibodeau at three. I think and just player value, just some fit stuff, all that. But at 13, yeah. whew, I might sprint that card to the podium at that point and take Kayvon Thibodeau. So that's what I did. I took Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon at 13. He's fallen there. And look, mock drafts and just any draft, the way things go, I mean, you try and find best player available at a position of need. And so you start fitting things in and you try and look at coaching staffs and connections and things. And before you know it, I'm sitting at 13 and Thibodeau is still there. And then also there is a name, Jermaine Johnson from out of Florida State. Mm -hmm. And I went back and forth because 
I don't have a ton of reservation about Jermaine Johnson, but I think Thibodeau might have a little higher upside, even though I've got to kind of deal with, you know, Kayvon. Kayvon's a little bit of a character. Yeah. Um, he loves the mic. He's going to say what he feels. And, you know, sometimes that's not always the best thing in the situation. But I thought, man, his talent, I got to go with it. Yeah, so if he's making plays, you can, you can get away with stuff like that. Yes, exactly. It's not a distraction um, if you're making plays. And you go to Bull Durham. You grow fungus on your shower shoes and you're that's successful. Right. You're colorful, but if you grow fungus on your shower shoes, you're not very good. Well, you're just a slop. Okay, two things there. We're, I got to hit the Ted DiBiase thing in just a second, but you just brought up Bull Durham. And speaking of, anytime Bull Durham comes up on this podcast, I got to give you an yes. update on the Durham Bulls. My son, the kindergartner, Oliver, hit a home run and a double uh, last Saturday in their win. So it was a nice win for the That's Bulls. Awesome. He uh, That's awesome. around the bases and did well. But as far as... <laughs> Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, one of the all-time great characters, all-time yeah. great characters. Yeah. And not just wrestling history and just character history. I loved, I don't know what year it was, it was the late 80s, but uh, the Hulkster was wrestling Ted DiBiase and uh, DiBiase won the match, but then the cameras panned in and they showed a bunch of cash hanging out of the back pocket of the referee. So... Um, I can't remember the exact storyline, but I believe it was on Saturday Night Wrestling um, or the Saturday Night Main Event. It was a big deal. It, yeah. It, it floored me uh, back when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old. It was like, how could this be possible? But uh, yeah, Ted DiBiase is one of the all-time yeah. great characters. I love that you brought him up. So Now, one thing, I, one thing, Drew, you brought up a, a great point. And I almost, I almost did it. And I thought, nah, it's, a, it's too much. But I almost moved the Texans back into the very bottom or near the bottom of the first round. Yeah. With that ammunition of the second rounder with mm -hmm. Atlanta. Who would you want to get three. with that? Who, why would you want to move up? For what player? Well, that, that was the thing. And that's kind of why I went, I went back and forth on it. Because I had a number of players that, man, gosh, I, just, I couldn't fit them in the, in the mock draft. Uh -huh. And so I just felt like there was some good value that maybe I could at the back end of that mock draft, maybe because I've gone Hamilton and I've gone Thibodeau, I haven't addressed the offensive line. And so maybe a guy like Tyler Smith from out of Tulsa, who is a tackle, but could move the guard is just a Hulk. Um, he's kind of a, he's kind of a really unpolished Iki Kwanu. And I thought maybe I would trade in the back half for, for or the back part for him. The other one uh, I thought about was an inside linebacker. And Quay Walker from out of Georgia popped into my mind like, man, I think he could be really good in this defense. He is versatile. He is fast. He can fly to the football. He's about 241 pounds. And he played next to N'Kobe Dean. I had N'Kobe Dean going earlier, or that would have been a guy I would have thought about too. Yeah. He doesn't have the perfect measurables you know, height, weight, all that kind of stuff. But on a team, as I said about N'Kobe Dean, and a team full of alphas at Georgia, he was the king alpha. They yeah. all, they all looked at 17, N'Kobe Dean. That was the guy they all looked at. So I thought about packaging some picks from 37 to go up, including possibly number 82 overall that I got from Atlanta to move up in the back end of that first round. But then I was like, I wasn't ready to just absolutely, you know, stamp somebody that I wanted for the Texans right there. So I just left it with one trade at three, got a, a nice little bounty and Kyle Hamilton, and then got Kayvon Thibodeau at 13.
I could see that scenario playing out though, because you would give Lovey Smith and that defense premier playmakers at the, the back end at the front yep. end that if you're to pull off that trade, you'd have, you know, a playmaking linebacker to yep. add to the, the crew that, that, it makes a lot of sense to me. I like that. But then I think you, you're right. You could get lots and lots of valuable guys there in the second and the third with the picks that you've accrued yep. through that trade. So sort of a win either way, but I, yep. don't, I don't mind that. Uh, I don't mind that that pick of a Georgia playmaking defensive player because what, there's 48 of them? In this yeah, it's, yeah, it seems it's like. Remarkable. It's remarkable. I mean, it's really, yeah, it's, really, really cool how many good. It's incredible. Players. I mean, they, Drew, if you look at every single position other than quarterback, Georgia's – Georgia has not only yeah. not only a guy, they have guys yeah. that you could make you could make a case for mm-hmm. going in the top uh top three, four rounds. I mean, receiver George Pickens, uh running back Zeus White and James Cook on the offensive line, Jamari Sawyer, uh Justin Schaefer, the defensive line mm-hmm. we've talked about forever. Yeah. Linebackers, they could all have all three guys go. In the right. secondary, you have Lewis Cena at sa- at safety, who I think is a top 50 pick, and then you've got uh, Darian Kendrick, who's going to be a little bit later, who had a slow 40 time, but uh, I think he can go on day three. I think you got, you've got guys at every single position. Oh, by the way, they have Jake Camardo, who's one of the better uh, punter kickers in the league or in college football last year. He's coming to the league as well. They just, they have a quarterback. And I say they don't have a quarterback, they have a quarterback in the drafts. That's a Bennett got better and better as a college quarterback. Uh, and he'll go back for 2022. But that team just, you know, throw a dart and you're going to find a Georgia Bulldog. So I got a feeling just odds and percentages we'll end up with one of those guys and i'm curious to see who it might be but i'll take a defensive player for sure off that group good stuff as always my friend can't wait to do this again next week the draft keeps creeping closer and closer and closer we're almost there all right john harris this has been in the lab